Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hello, everybody. It's Eurovision Week, and welcome to another episode of the Euro Trip, almost live from Rotterdam. Now, of course, this episode is sponsored by the lovely people at Cloudwater Soda and their friends at the Queer Brewing Project. That's right. So Cloudwater Soda take ingredients from their brewery to create delicious, low-calorie, alcohol-free infusions, unlocking the unique characters of hops for all to enjoy. Now, as a brewery, they create some pretty strong beers, so they've introduced their sodas to encourage a more mindful approach to unwinding with a good drink. I'm going to have a can during the first semi-final of Eurovision tomorrow, more of which we'll talk about shortly. But of course, you can head to cloudwatersoda.co and use the code EUROTRIP, that's all one word, for 10% off their soda range. And you can also use the same code for queer brewing merch and beers. And that code is valid until July the 31st, 2021. Hosted by Rob Lilly and James Rowe and brought to you by Cloudwater Soda and Queer Brewing. This is the Euro Trip, almost live from Rotterdam. That's right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your second episode of the Euro Trip, almost live from Rotterdam. It is our pleasure to be back with you, giving you all the latest news from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest, as we are now, I'd say, one day away from the very first live show of Eurovision 2021. Rob, this is so, so exciting. It's all so close. It is less than, no, slightly more than 24 hours at the time of recording until the first semi-final 
of the Eurovision Song Contest. We are recording right now at the same time as the dress rehearsal is currently going on for the first semi-final. We'll tell you what we are seeing on our screens in front of us a little bit later on. But we have got loads for you in this episode. We will be hearing from BBC Radio 1's music reporter, Steve Holden. Of course, BBC Radio 1, huge radio station here in the UK. And he has been producing a brilliant documentary all about this year's Eurovision Song Contest. So he'll tell us all about that. Yeah, absolutely. I watched that a little bit earlier on today. It's a fantastic watch. We'll tell you more about it a little bit later on. But also, we've been chatting to a friend of the podcast, Sheila Kammerman. She is a journalist based in Rotterdam, so she'll be getting us up to speed on what is happening in and around the city this week. And another Eurovision memory. Just to remind you, we will be bringing you some of the best bits of our interviews from over the last few months. Some of the brilliant Eurovision artists we've spoken to here on the podcast and hearing their special, special moments from their time at Eurovision. Today is no different. We'll be hearing from Eurovision winner Eldar Gasimov. Of course, he won Eurovision in 2011 for Azerbaijan. So we've got all that and more still to come here on the Eurotrip, almost live from Rotterdam. Tweet us or find us on Instagram. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. So it is the Monday of Eurovision week. It has been a long time coming, but finally we are here. Three live shows this week lie between us and crowning Eurovision winner on Saturday night. We will be back with you tomorrow There's another reminder for you. We'll be here every single day this week, bringing you a new episode of the Eurotrip live from Rotterdam. And also very interesting that we're here on an evening, because normally we drop in your podcast feed at midnight, or maybe you listen on the way to work on a morning. But here we are on a Monday evening. So thanks for letting us into your homes on this uh, very, hopefully, very lovely Monday night. Yeah, hope you've had a good day. Hope your week started well. It's like we're doing our own daily radio show now. We can have these little interactions with the listeners. Uh, But thank you very much for choosing us. Thank you for listening. As I mentioned in the intro, we are currently watching, me and James, we're in the virtual press centre. And at the time that we're recording this, we are watching the dress rehearsal of the first semi-final of the Eurovision Song Contest. Of course, the jury show is still to come tonight when 50% of the results from the first semi-final will be decided. Maybe you're listening to this while that show is going on. Uh, but James, do you just want to talk us through what's happening right now? Yeah, so we're on to song number 13 at the moment, which is Romania, Roxanne singing Amnesia. And I must say, are we allowed to say this? I'm going to say it anyway. I think she's changed her outfit, hasn't she, from her first rehearsals? She has, yeah. We saw her wearing, I think, quite a baggy green jumper in her first and second rehearsals. But yeah, things have changed a lot for her in this rehearsal. The performance looks very different as well, actually. Romania have thrown everything at this final chance to to rehearse before the jury show this evening. So who knows? Maybe it'll work in their favour. We've had a great time, actually earlier on watching some of the performances from the first semi-final. Leslie Roy did a really good job earlier on and I thought Tusa was excellent but already said it we'll be talking all about semi-final one in our special preview podcast which will be with you as soon as you wake up tomorrow morning. Yeah, that's right. So it's worth reminding you, we'll be here with you every single day this week with a brand new episode. But since we last spoke to you, there's been some big news, of course. I'm sure you'll have seen it online that both the Polish and Icelandic delegations have both had a positive COVID-19 test within their bubble. So it's created a little bit of, 
Well, I was going to say confusion, but a little bit of a, a ripple in the uh, in the headlines about whether or not the two of those delegations will be able to perform live in Thursday's semi-final. So we had some better news this morning following, as James mentioned, the positive COVID test of somebody in the Polish delegation. Uh, Rafal, all of his dancers, all of the performers on the stage, they had to have a further COVID test. Uh, All of those results came back negative, but Poland will stay in quarantine until their dress rehearsal for the second semi-final on Wednesday. Uh, We are still waiting for the results of Iceland's second COVID test, because after their positive test, of course, Daddy... Gagna Magnid and the rest of uh, the rest of the group and the rest of the delegation had to have a further COVID test. At the time of recording this, still waiting for their results. Uh, the delegations of Malta and Romania, of course, you may have seen they missed the turquoise carpet event last night because they are staying in the same hotel as Iceland and Poland. But they have also been tested. All of those tests came back negative. So Destiny and Roxen, of course. As we've just spoken about, of course, Roxon is is in the the dress rehearsal this afternoon, as will Destiny be as well. So they are out of quarantine. So that is good news. But all of this has shone a light on the testing process at the Ahoy. Yes, indeed it has. We'll be chatting more in depth a little bit later on with BBC Radio 1's Steve Holden about the documentary he's been making and about what it's like in the Ahoy. But here is a small portion of the chat we had with him to find out exactly what the testing procedure is like when you turn up at the Ahoy. As you can tell, I'm in my hotel room. I have actually spent most of the time either here or at the press centre. But Rotterdam's nice. It's just very quiet. There's obviously restrictions here at the moment. So, you know, no restaurants open in the evening. Um, You can only buy alcohol on these terraces between 12 and 6, although I've not had the time to do that. Um, You can't buy alcohol after 8 p.m. You know, lots of things are closed. So very much like the UK and lots of other parts of the world, um, it is quiet. And in the press centre, I've been there all week it's been it's been a different vibe to other years you know it's a lot more muted a lot quieter uh the ahoy arena it's massive and there's just not as many people in it you know boys i've got to tell you about the testing center have you heard about this i know that you have to do a lot of tests but i can't say i know a huge amount about the center itself so go on yeah so you have to be tested every 48 hours and then that gets linked to your accreditation and you go in and uh, you get given this little barcode and you have to go into this booth and you do this weird breathing test. So you have to breathe into a tube like five times in, five times out, big breath, um, big exhale. And then I don't know how this works, but it kind of matches your breath to what your breath might be if you had coronavirus. And if it obviously doesn't match, then you pass and you can go through. But if you fail that test, you then have to have an, as James Newman calls it, an up the nose jobby, <laughs> and then you have to wait. So I've been going with uh, my camera person, Woody, and I've passed every time. He's failed every time. So then we've had to wait for half an hour and then he gets the negative result, which when you're in a rush, uh, it's not great, but safety is a priority, obviously. So uh, I, we are doing it because of you know, safety. So I'm, I'm all for it. It's just a really strange experience. And the, the test center, you know, you, there's, there's no VIP treatment for the artists. They have to do exactly the same as everyone else. So you could be sat in the waiting room with like Samantha Tina next to you or, you know, Benny Cristo or whoever. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned the, the testing because people can now read on the BBC News website a, a long form article that you've, uh, you've written just about the importance of Eurovision taking place during a pandemic, but also 
this health and safety procedures that are in place and how the artists feel about it as well. Yeah, and they it's it's on everybody's mind. James Newman, who um, I've spent a lot of time with over the last couple of months, he's super super cautious about it. I mean, he's he's got asthma himself, you know, so he's he's in the vulnerable category. Greece's entry was saying she doesn't hug anybody anymore uh, and didn't hug anyone in the in the weeks leading up to Eurovision. Benny Cristo quarantined for two months and then he got a bus with his team uh, that didn't stop all the way from Prague to Rotterdam. Like every, well, most people I would say are taking it super, super seriously. Steve, I've got to ask you this question. Who is the, uh, who is the weirdest or most unusual person who's been ahead of you or behind you in the queue for one of these, as James would call it, an up the nose jobby? <laughs> uh, well, we had Samantha Tina before us the <laughs> other day, <laughs> but she came through quite quickly. And the thing is in, um, in Rotterdam, you have to wear these very specific masks, which are like, they're more of the, the industrial type masks that you might wear if you were like doing some plastering or something. And they're not very attractive. So lots of people have customized them. So Samantha Tina had like this sparkly gold thing on top of her, uh, on top of her like industrial mask. So, you know, the customization I'm very impressed with. So BBC Radio 1's music reporter, Steve Holden, there. We'll be hearing from Steve later on, talking all about that brilliant Eurovision documentary he's produced, which is out today. Uh, Should tell you what's happening on stage right now, of course. We've already said, at the time of recording this, the dress rehearsal of the first semi-final going on right now. Effendi has just finished her performance for Azerbaijan. And I'll level with you, everybody. She looks quite tired. But we will be hearing another Eurovision memory later on as well from, talking of Azerbaijan, Eldar, of course, one half of Ellen Nikki, who won Eurovision for Azerbaijan in 2011. What a fantastic segue that was. It's almost as if that wasn't planned and that was just a massive slice of luck for you. Well done. I'll be honest, huge coincidence, but I'll take it. Indeed you will. Now then, we're going to chat to somebody who's going to make their third appearance here on the Eurotrip. It's Sheila Kammerman. She is a journalist in the city of Rotterdam and she's appeared twice here on the podcast to give us an idea about what is going on in the city as we have been gearing up for the event, how the people have been reacting, what the city looks like as the decorations get in place. So we thought, with it being Eurovision Week, we've got to bring her back and find out what is happening during Eurovision week itself. And it wouldn't be a chat with Sheila without starting with the same old question. And I started by asking Sheila, what's the weather like in Rotterdam right now? Well, it's a very simple question because it's raining all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even sunshine. It's getting towards the summer. I thought it might be sunny by now. Yeah, it's really, it's a pity because uh, we are waiting for the sun to come a little bit, but uh, no, until the whole morning it's raining. What a shame! Mostly, I, I get I got I go I get up early in the morning and go running with the dog. But even this, I didn't do today. It was too wet. What a shame! Maybe later in the week, once the grand final I comes so. out, maybe yeah. it'll be sunny again. Let's wait and see. But I want to know what the city is like at the moment. Given you've not been outside, if you opened your curtains, if you looked outside, what's the general feel of the city at the moment? Given tomorrow, it's the first live show of Eurovision 2021. What's the feel of the city at the moment? Well, there is, there, there are, um, of course, there's this feeling there's a party going on, but it's very different uh, th- uh, from the way it should be, because normally there would be a lot of people coming, a lot of fans, the hotels would be full, there will be, in the middle of the city, there will be uh, a lot of partying and uh, celebrations, 
and it's quite quiet, I have to say. It feels, of course, there are there is there are flags, there is a banner welcoming all the the people, but it's not a, like a festival it should be. But of course, we know all why it's like this. And the city really did their best to put flags everywhere. So it it is it it looks happy, but uh, not like the way it should be. Of course, we we are missing the people because we know what Eurovision is normally like. We've normally got thousands of people coming in across Europe, exactly. Which is obviously a big disappointment that we're not going to get that this year. And also, we must touch on this as well because yesterday when we were chatting to to arrange this, you sent over. Um, an article that you wrote for the newspaper you work for. And there does seem to be some objections, is that the best word to say, to Uvision actually being in town. Give us an idea about that. Yeah, some people that say it's, um, it's, it, it costs a lot of money. Uh, you know, um, we can spend this a better way. But I, I think we shouldn't give them too much attention because it costs some money, but, you know, everything costs money. And after a year of COVID, I think that a lot of people are really waiting for some party, even given the fact that it's not like it's normally not as big as it could be in normal times. But still, it's I, I see a lot of people that are very happy uh, that there is something going on, something nice, something, uh, yeah, you know, that such a, we are we are hosting such a big event as the Eurovision. And Although uh, the delegation members came yesterday by boat to, um, to, um, uh, next to the, to the big bridge in uh, Rotterdam. And although we are not allowed to come there, a lot of people were standing on the bridge to watch them and um, uh, to, to welcome them. So you see, people love... Uh, th- at that time, it was not raining, by the way. <laughs> so that was very, we were very happy. So, you know, we are waiting for a party. That's what also what I wrote, you know, this is where the city is waiting. All the people in Holland are waiting for some happiness. So generally, would you say most people are very happy Eurovision is in town and also the people of Rotterdam are quite proud that the city is being chosen to sort of welcome back live events because we've not really had them, have we? No, they're right. Yeah, no. So uh, we are really proud that it's in Rotterdam. And not in Amsterdam, because there's always a bit um, contest between the <laughs> two big cities. And we say, okay, we are the, 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 the biggest city in, uh, in Holland. No, but um, yeah, we are very proud. And um, a lot of people are uh, around here to make the party as, as they, they, make, they make it a real good party. For this week, at least, Rotterdam is the number one city in the Netherlands. Is that right? You are right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now then, I've got to ask you a bit about the contest as well. You're not a massive fan, but you do love the contest. Tell me, have you heard any of the songs for this year? Are you excited for the three live shows this week? I did hear some, yeah. Almost all. <laughs> and you must be, you must have heard uh, Jean-Gu McCroy, of course, the, the artist. Of for- course. But you, you, can't, you can't turn on the radio here and, and not hearing this song. So <laughs> you're not able not to hear it. But also this, uh, yeah, of course, everybody uh, is singing with him. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. I'm sure everybody in the Netherlands has got their fingers crossed for him, at least. Um, I've also got to ask as well, because we've not really spoken to you much about your vision itself, more about the general city. Where will you be on Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday? Will you be at home with the TV on, celebrating and watching it? Yeah, I think that's that will be the case. Yeah, because it's the best place to be at the moment for this this year. 
you can see it the best uh, when you're home and watch it on television. Wonderful. Just like the rest of us then with the TV on. Uh, and on exactly. Saturday night, there's going to be there's going to be an important phrase, I think, on Saturday night where the points are starting to come in and you get to the end and the uh, the spokesperson will say, and 12 points go to. Now, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a chat with Sheila Kammerman if we didn't get some Dutch out of you. So if I was in the Netherlands and I wanted to say 12 points, how would I say it? The 12 punten gaan naar... Oh, wow, then, that, that was more difficult than I thought it was going to be. I'm going to have to try and say that. But say only 12 it. points. 12 points is 12 punten. 12 punten. Exactly. 12 punten. 12 But punten. if you say the, the, the 12 points go to, the 12 punten gaan naar... I think I might leave that one to you. I might not go there. That's a bit more difficult for me, sadly. <laughs> well, Sheila, thank you so much for joining us again. And thank you for joining us. I think this is the third time you've now been here on the Eurotrip and you've given us a fantastic insight into what the city of Rotterdam has been like over the last few months. So thank you for joining us and uh, enjoy the shows for the, for the next week or so. Thank you so much. It was my great pleasure. You're listening to the Eurotrip. Almost live from Rotterdam. So thank you very much to Sheila Kammerman for joining us on the Eurotrip, almost live from Rotterdam. Now, of course, this podcast is brought to you by the brilliant people at The Queer Brewing Project and Cloudwater Soda. Now, Cloudwater Soda is the little sibling of the Cloudwater Brew Co. and provides interesting grown-up sodas for you to enjoy if you're looking for something alcohol-free. So at the moment, they're cooking up a special soda collaboration with the Queer Brewing Project, a queer-owned brewery looking to build community and provide visibility for LGBTQ plus people in and around beer and advocate for LGBTQ plus rights, all whilst raising money for relevant charitable organisations. Now, that soda collaboration that James is on about is a delicious drink called Blossom and is inspired by the flavours in Queer Brewing's flagship wheat beer, Flowers. It will be packed full of banana, orange and coriander seed. Much, of course, of the beer industry is focused on beer, but both Cloudwater Soda and Queer Brewing are mindful of those who may want to moderate their alcohol intake and those who are fans of flavours found in and around beer but may not want to consume alcohol. Now that soda collaboration will be ready in just a few weeks and I can't wait because I had flowers over the weekend on Saturday night with a curry. Absolutely delicious. But in the meantime, as we wait for that, why not check out their websites, thequeerbrewingproject.com and cloudwatersoda.co and use our code Eurotrip, that's all one word, Eurotrip, for 10% off Queer Brewing beers and merch, as well as Cloudwater Soda's range. And that code is valid until July the 31st, 2021. We want to hear from you. Email us hello at eurotrippodcast.com. It's the Monday of Eurovision Week. You are listening to the Eurotrip almost live from Rotterdam. I have to say, thank you very much to Victoria for your tweets about our podcast from yesterday. Of course, when we were rounding up rehearsals from the last seven days, Victoria tweeted us. She said, at Eurotrip Podcast, I loved your first episode of Eurovision Week. So excited to hear what you've got in store for us for the rest of the week. Well, if you're that excited, presumably you're listening to this right now. So, Victoria, thank you very much. 
Indeed, thanks for joining us, Victoria. Thanks to everybody else who's joining us every single day this week. We know there's loads of you listening, and uh, yeah, we absolutely welcome you with open arms. Rob, you've also got a little plan for later in the week. Indeed, you can be part of the podcast, should you so wish. It'd be great to have you on board. We have already mentioned... A million times we're going to be here every single day. That includes a podcast which will be with you on Saturday morning. So the ultimate build-up to the grand final of Eurovision. And we need you because what we would like is your good luck messages for your favourite artists of 2021. All we ask is you just record a little voice note, 15 seconds, 30 seconds of yourself saying why you love this particular artist, why you love this particular song and wishing them the best of luck for tonight. Of course, that's important, tonight, because it'll be tonight when it goes out on Saturday. Does that make sense, James? Yes, I get it, because it's going to go out on Saturday, so you've got to say, I wish them good luck for tonight, because it'll be the Saturday. I get it, I get it. He's got it, he's got it. So if you want to get involved, and we'd love to have you on the podcast, we'd love as many of you as possible to do this, uh, just email us that voice note, hello at eurotrippodcast.com. That's hello at eurotrippodcast.com. Got any questions? Just drop us a DM, drop us a tweet, whatever. Either me or James will reply, uh, because, let's be honest, Eurovision's our life for this week, so we're not doing much else. No, full steam ahead on Eurovision week. Uh, Please, we'd love to hear from you, so send those voice notes, as Rob says, to hello at eurotrippodcast.com. Keep any of the other tweets and comments coming in as well. We are at eurotrippodcast on Twitter and Instagram. We always love to hear from you. But now, Rob... Have we, or have we not, got another Eurovision memory from a guest gone by? Absolutely. We will have another Eurovision memory in just a second. Yesterday, of course, we heard the memories of Eurovision 2019 from the Czech Republic 2019, Albert from Lake Malawi. If you haven't already listened to that, I implore you to go back. It's really interesting to find out what it was like. Albert talks you through the first moment he walked onto the Eurovision stage in Tel Aviv. And today... We are going back a little bit further. We are going back to 2011, the contest, of course, in Dusseldorf, and we'll be hearing the memories of one of the winners, Eldar, of course, from Ellen Nikki, who won the contest for Azerbaijan that year. And I asked Elle to describe that moment they realised that they were Eurovision champions. Uh, There was a moment when everyone already understood, already got that, uh, no matter how many points will two next countries receive, uh, Azerbaijan is already, we are already re- winning. And everyone was cheering, like our team members, uh, back vocalists, Nikki. And I was like, oh my goodness, let's just, let, let's just pray everything is okay. And uh, uh, despite all the cameras who were w- already with us and you are, you are a winner, you feel it, you know it from the scores. I was like, let's Anka and Stefan tell that Azerbaijan, Ellen, Nikki, and Running Scared is the winner of the competition. So then I can lose myself in music again. Ladies and gentlemen, Mesdames et Messieurs, Meine Damen und Herren, the winner of the Eurovision Song Contest 2011 is Azerbaijan. We was in a Hilton hotel and we came back at three o'clock in the night after uh, the press conference and the whole hotel uh, was celebrating with us. There was some other teams from other countries in Europe uh, 
everyone was cheering, everyone was happy, and uh, we were crying. And uh, you may you may see it from uh, from the pictures with my red eyes and uh, such you know such messy uh, everything <laughs> on my face. So then we came to Baku, and this whole people like it's it was more than three thousand people in right in front of the plane where people were not allowed and this was the first victory since uh, this big victory um since uh, the, the soviet union was uh, broken and uh i the first time in my life i saw people all together happy Eldar Gasimov there, the Eurovision winner from 2011. Can you believe 10 years ago, a decade has now passed since Azerbaijan won the Eurovision Song Contest. Great to get him back on the podcast, or at least hear from him again, to find out what it was like for him and Nikki to win Eurovision back in Dusseldorf 2011. Yeah. Oh, 10 years ago, but feels like yesterday. Honestly, I can't believe how long ago that contest was. I was listening to Lena and Satellite when I was hanging the washing out earlier. Even longer ago, 11 years ago, she won the contest in Oslo. And just think, it'll be click of a finger and Eurovision 2021 will feel like a lifetime ago. But thankfully, not right now, because haven't had any of the live shows so far. We've got so much to look forward to this week. Yeah, that's right. So much more to come throughout the week. As we mentioned earlier on, we are currently in the online press centre. All of the dress rehearsals have occurred. We are now just watching the, what do you call it? I've forgotten the word. I was going to say montage. That's definitely not the right word. What do you call it? Recap. We're currently watching the recap of all of the performances. We are certainly in for a fantastic show on Tuesday night. We'll be covering all of that on tomorrow's preview episode of Semi-Final 1. But for now, Steve Holden. Indeed, he is back. You heard him earlier on talk us through the testing process. Talk to us about what it was like being behind Samantha Tina in the line to have your COVID test in Rotterdam. But the main reason we've got Steve on the podcast is to talk all about his new documentary. He's made it for the BBC and it is the best way to warm up for what is to come this week. He's been following the UK act James Newman, of course, as he prepares for the contest. But as he will tell you, he has also spoken to every single one or at least been in touch with every single one of the other delegations that are part of this year's Eurovision Song Contest. So we asked Steve what it was like now that his documentary, after all these months of hard work, had finally come to fruition. Yeah, I'm so, so proud of it. We've been following James for five months. We started it last year, but obviously things changed because of coronavirus. Um, And uh, we've basically followed his journey. So we've been on the Embers uh, music video shoot. We were there... Uh, on the day that it was released. Uh, we followed him all the way to Rotterdam. We met him in Rotterdam. And like you said, the documentary has um, bespoke content from every single artist taking part, which has been the like the craziest mission of my life, honestly. It's been quite intense chasing 39 acts for stuff. Some of them have been brilliant and got it in like super quick and others I had to send loads of emails too i had to dm people on instagram so there's there's these like wonderful montages they've been sending me these brilliant messages and stuff Uh, so if you watch it it's a proper journey and you'll see you will see your favorite whoever your favorite is in some capacity 
who was the holy grail to get hold of? Like, who was the shiny Pokemon card of Eurovision 2021 artists that you just couldn't quite get, but obviously managed to eventually? Uh, uh, there was three in the end, right? So uh, number one, Estonia. Took me ages to get Uku, who has the same birthday as me, the exact same birthday, 6th of June, 1982. Um, it took me so, so long. Um, and in the end, we had to get him in the arena. We had to track him down there after one of his rehearsals. Um, Moldova was funny. So you've spoken to Natalia. I couldn't get, I couldn't seem to get through to anybody at their, their, their press team or anything. So in the end, I had to resort to like DMing her a very polite note on Instagram. And she sent me a voice note back saying, of course I'll do this for you. Hugs and kisses, Steve. And I was like, oh my God. But, but then it took ages for her to send the, the video. I just didn't get it after, try, after messaging all these people. And the other one, the only person that said no, not, not through rudeness, but just because they didn't have time, was Spain's delegation, so Blas. And I tried and tried and tried and tried. And in the end, I said, look, we've got every single person. All he needs to do is just hold his phone up and record something for like 20 seconds um, and send it over. And they did. So in the end, we got everybody. And when you watch the documentary, you will laugh because some are such professional setups. So like um, Russia is looks so good and Barbara in France had a professional setup. Um, Georgia looks like it's been beamed in from from space. It's it's literally I got I got a 15 second video, uh, which looks like it's been sent from 1973. It's just a, a sign of what TV has been like over the last 18 months or so, isn't it? Where we're used to things on Zoom, things aren't quite up to quality, but I'm sure it's going to be wonderful to watch it nonetheless. Uh, James Newman, of course, is one of the artists you've been following a lot. You've followed him since the start of his journey. Can you give us an idea about what his journey has been like since you started a film with him this year? Yeah, I think um, he, first of all, he is passionate about Eurovision, definitely. He wants to do it. He's always wanted to do it. And he said that coming, like he wanted to come back as soon as it was cancelled. And obviously I think with lots of delegations, it wasn't quite as simple as, yep, you're, you're, you're straight there. I think there had to be like talks and discussions. But he said, I wanted to do it again. He said his end game was getting on the Eurovision stage in front of 200 million people. And I think that's quite a good um, like belief and ambition to have, isn't it? But he, he's put in loads of work. He's worked really hard. He's given up um, drinking, given up smoking. Um, I've been like trying to uh, impart all my Eurovision knowledge on him and stuff. Um, but he's he's really up for it. You know, he's a really nice guy. He, he's good fun. Um, he knows what the contest is about. Uh, we've been to a couple of his dance rehearsals and stuff like he does have a background in theater and arts and music. You know, he said he used to be he said he was in like a, um, a production of The Wiz at Leeds City Varieties Hall when he was a kid and stuff. So I don't think people know that he's got that kind of heritage in him and stuff. He's got musicality. Um, so yeah, we'll see what, what, what happens. We, we followed him to his first rehearsal, you know, like a lot of people at Eurovision, they've never had a stage this big. Some of them have, but most of them, it will be the biggest gig of their life and stuff. And he, and he's good. He's up for it, which that's what we want, isn't it? From a, from a UK entrant, I would say. Now we've already mentioned, I've already mentioned that you have covered many, many contests, which does mean that you were in a great place to 
kind of compare what we're seeing in 2021 to previous years. You have been there for rehearsals over the last week or so. I think, I don't know whether you agree, that the standard this year is just another level, isn't it? And it's brilliant to see how, after such a long wait that everybody has brought their A game. Oh my goodness, a hundred percent. You look at the you look at the songs and the stagings that and and the effort that's gone into to the delegations and to the artists, and it's just another level, isn't it? I remember watching Cypress's first rehearsal. And, you know, it's got so many quick edits in. It's like a proper mini music video. I was like, wow, they, they have put thought into this. I think um, this isn't like, you know, who I think is the favorite or anything. I just think I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, wow. Um, I think John's Tears staging is really good. I think Victoria in Bulgaria, they've put effort into the way they look. Um, San Marino, I mean, that headdress that she is wearing at the beginning, like that is a moment, isn't it? You know, they are looking at how things they've really put thought into how things look. Iceland. Let's talk about that as well. Just the staging. I interviewed him the other day. I, I know you guys did as well. And he said, I just take Eurovision and I apply more is more. So all the pyro, all the color, all the sass, everything. And you look at that three minute performance and literally everything is in it, isn't it? It's incredible. James, the thing you keep coming back to is the circular piano. I know that's a personal highlight of yours. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so good, isn't it? It's so, so special. I mentioned this on the podcast on Sunday where it's that moment, isn't it? That grabs you. People will remember what it is. And I remember watching it for the first time and I just went, wow, there it is. That's the bit that people are going to remember. Steve, I don't want to ask you who's going to win. I think it might be rude to do that. But can you choose one moment for, for listeners right now to be looking out for, looking out for in these three shows? What should people wait for what should people be looking out for okay so number one let's wait and see what happens with san marino at the start of the semi-final two and whether a certain american rapper appears on stage i think everyone is waiting for that moment okay number two i think everybody should wait for the end of italy's performance i think they've brought their entire pyrotechnics their entire country supply of pyrotechnics. I think it looks amazing. And I think the camera work on France's entry is really special too. And something a bit different. Um, and I'm going to throw in a fourth. Uh, I, I, it has to be Iceland. You know, they've, they, they have taken what they had last year. And even if the, people don't think the song is as good as last year, they have created a Eurovision performance that people will talk about in years to come. Great to hear from Steve Holden there. It is almost time for us to go from today's episode but before we do uh, both Rob and I as you heard there were chatting to Steve and we chatted for a very very long time it was just great to be able to chat Eurovision with somebody different uh, and he gave us loads of insight as you just heard but he did have this little story that we just had to play for you. I've got a good story actually about about Moldova because um, I've been I was obviously trying to track them down for ages and I got through to their press person and we finally got her but the press person was like, do you want Philip Kirkov as well? Because obviously he's the mastermind. And I was like, no, 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 we only want Natalia because everybody else, it's just them. It's not anybody else with them. And so then Natalia came into the room and then Philip came into the room and we were like, hello. And he walked straight through without looking because obviously I assume he might have been a little bit offended that he wasn't to partake in our video. Or he might have just been 
on his way to another business meeting. I don't know, but uh, but it was funny. It was a funny moment. Listening to that, everybody, I don't think any of that comes as a surprise, does it? I think that story is exactly as we could have imagined that scenario playing out. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all know what Philip Kergrove is like. If you watch the turquoise carpet on uh, event on Sunday night as well, I mean, yeah, he's just a very strange, unusual man. However, the BBC Newsbeat documentary that Steve has made is fantastic. I watched it earlier on this morning with my breakfast and it is a fantastic tribute to this year's contest. And I urge you all, whether you're in the UK, to head over to the BBC iPlayer and watch it. Or, as Steve said, I believe it will be if it's not already, available on YouTube at some point as well. So make sure you go and check that out ahead of tomorrow night's semi-final. Talking of said semi-final, we will be back with you. Podcast, When You Wake Up, our preview to semi-final number one. It's finally here. Can't quite get my head around it. We will be joined by special guests looking ahead to what we can expect from Tuesday night. We'll be chatting which countries we think are going to go through, who might miss out. We'll be hearing again from Steve Holden because thankfully in that long chat we had with him, we also got some of his thoughts on the countries taking part and who he thinks might get through. And also a couple of the artists of that semi-final will be joining us and you won't have heard them on this podcast so far. Now that is a little tease. I'm sure you're going to come back and join us tomorrow when you wake up for a brand new episode of the Eurotrip almost live from Rotterdam. But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars from me, James, for the second time this week. It's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.